Hi there, this is Carolyn April. And this is Seth Robinson. Welcome to Volley. Uh, Seth, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's been a uh, busy week. Got uh, 4th of July coming up, so got a long weekend, so trying to cram as much as I can into this week. Yeah, I was thinking the same. I'm really looking forward to the, the long weekend, though. Fourth of July is always a good, one of my favorite holidays here, um, hitting the beach, hopefully. Oh, very nice. Yeah, very nice. you got well, fireworks in your future? Um, around the neighborhood, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be some fireworks in my future. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my little suburb uh, does them like uh, the week before, kind of to uh, get out of the way of all the big ones that would happen. So we'll have to figure out what we're going to do. Well, then you get double double the fun, right? That's right. That's right. You can never have too much fun. <laughs> Speaking of fun, uh, we are going to talk about managed services today and uh, what, some things that might be going through MSP's heads. We talked about managed services uh, in the very first episode that we did. We talked about it very generally, kind of defining the space, but part of your busy week has been launching our new managed services study, which you authored. Uh, and so I'd love to hear some of what you found in that study, and then we will wrap up the discussion today uh, by actually having a guest speaker and talking a little bit about the Brexit vote and what that might mean for managed service providers. So what was the study like? What did, what did you find that maybe was different from years past or, or maybe is especially pertinent today? Yeah, I mean, the study is quite dense. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. We could probably spend many podcasts breaking it down. Um, I think one of the most interesting things, though, is um, from, a, from a macro level, we really wanted to find out what is keeping today's MSPs awake at night. So what's worrying them or exciting them, for that matter. Uh, so I'll, I'll focus a little bit on that today. Um, but from a high level, um, I'll you just you know, get into this a little bit by saying that we found a lot of optimism among the MSP community. And I think that that's a great thing. And I hope it continues because we and I have been talking about managed services for so many years now and um, seen, believe it or not, a fairly slow adoption rate, um, slow but steady over the last decade. And in this study, we finally found um, data that supported the fact that MSPs are finally getting there. They're getting there and they're feeling confident about their businesses and they're feeling confident about how they run their business. So the operational efficiency, which is very, very important to uh, a healthy, robust managed services practice. So all of those um, are good things. Um, that being said, there are always things that still concern the MSP community quite a lot. Um, and the chief one this year, uh, of which almost two-thirds um, said they were worried about was cloud computing. So this sounds like a broken record, right? Um, but we've been, you know, the channel as a whole has been fairly apprehensive about cloud since it's come onto the scene five or six years ago. But that, I, I believe, had been getting better, and I think it has. I still think, I think the question today on a lot of MSPs' minds is not, is cloud computing going to put me out of business, but rather what's my role in cloud computing? Is cloud computing compatible with what I'm doing today and how do I take best advantage of it and include it as a service within my current offerings and, and um, get my customers on board? So I think it's less the dire gloom and doom. I'm, you know, cloud is going to completely obviate the need for me, but more about finding my place in the cloud universe. 
um, with respect to managed services. So you know, yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned cloud computing as one of the first things that's keeping people up at night, and and you mentioned that right after talking about the optimism because I think cloud has been one of the things that's been keeping that optimism down. And so on the one hand, you've got people warming up, I think, to the general idea here. Um, and, and I think that moves into what you were saying about managed services, that people are kind of accepting that there's this new world order of doing things uh, and, and new ways of doing IT operations. And that's probably going to heavily include managed services. It's going to heavily include cloud computing. And accepting that reality is one thing, but knowing exactly what to do about it is another. Yep, you're precisely right. I think that's what it is. But we're, we're at the execution stage um, for many MSPs, and I consider it a you know an opportunity area for these folks. I mean, we talk a lot about how MSPs to really grow their business need to get into more advanced services. So moving beyond or adding to uh, the table stakes services that they already offer for network monitoring, you know, server management and storage management and desktop and other device management, but also now getting into more advanced services. And those include some of the cloud services that are out there today. And I think as they begin to adopt those services within the portfolio that they offer, that's where you're going to see some growth opportunity for them. And, and in the study, we did see there's a lot of optimism around growth. The expectations for growth uh, in the MSP part of a channel company's business are quite high. Um, and over the next two years, MSPs or just channel firms in general are expecting that the managed services piece of their total revenue is going to be you know, climbing towards 75%, which is a huge change from just five years ago or even just three years ago. It's a big change. And I think we can pin a lot of that on them finally wrapping their arms around what cloud means to them and how they can profit from it. Hmm. You mentioned opportunity, and we talk a lot about as the technology landscape is changing, where are there pockets of opportunity? And within CompTIA, we're generally talking about where is there an opportunity for a managed solution provider to step into usually an end user space. But but here, with, with what we've got going and, and different communities, and there are different things like uh, our communities throughout the industry, is there an opportunity for managed service providers to help other managed service providers. So someone that might be a little further along down the path with cloud uh, and, and know what they're doing and been through some of these things, how can they help each other get through some of these parts where they know that they need to do it, now they just need to know how? Yeah, I mean, I think there's peer-to-peer -peer opportunities. And we talk, we've talked, that's been a, a trend that's been talked about in the channel um, for many, many years, and it's not just applicable to MSPs, but also to just the broader channel community. But uh, and I and I do see it in action. I mean, there are companies that work in concert with one another, and they bolster skills gaps that one another has. And I think that that could also apply to mentoring or you know assisting another managed services provider try to figure out what their path to cloud is and how to get there. Uh, so I certainly see there'll be, um, at least among some of the friendlier folks out there, uh, I could see some peer-to-peer -peer type of um, activity, uh, and I hope that, that, I hope that that's the case. I mean, the other thing is the vendors have a role here as well, so uh, particularly those commercial tools vendors um, this, that sell the PSA and the RMM type of platforms have really... Uh, 
almost it's incumbent upon them to try to help their it's and it, it's for it's beneficial to them as well for them to work with their partner communities and helping them figure out how to make that right hand turn and get into more advanced services including whatever they're going to be doing with cloud um and to help them avoid what is one of the other um things keeping MSPs awake at night uh, on our data list here and helping them to avoid um, margin erosion and uh, commoditization, which are two things that are happening in the MSP space right now and are very concerning to the MSP community. Now, the irony there is the MSP community is somewhat uh, to blame for the fact that things are commoditizing rather quickly in this market. It can't all just be blamed on um, economics. Uh, it's really has has a lot to do with the fact that there's a big, broad, group of MSPs that strictly compete on price and they're signing customers to order to sign a customer to a long-term contract which is how it goes in, in the managed services space they are they're devaluing their services in essence and they're pricing very low and then they're signing a customer onto a long-term contract at that price and that is just a vicious cycle because then you've got a customer who's on a, a, a devalued contract and when it comes time to renew that contract, even if the MSP then decides, hey, I want to price myself at real market value, going to a customer and telling them you're going to raise their price at what would seem like a huge sticker shock type of margin isn't going to fly. So you've now dug yourself into a hole where you can never get to what you really should be pricing yourself at. And that's creating a problem in the MSP space. And it's certainly one of the things that is worrying um, worrying the broader community is that their margins are slimming and they're commoditizing themselves. And uh, I think that that's a real negative and it's going to have to be the only way out of that is to start pricing on value. And if your customers are not willing to sign with you, then it's time for you to be able to say no to specific customers, just like customers say no to you at times. Mm -hmm. I know a, uh, a web services firm that's going through this pricing thing right now, and it's, uh, it's a challenge and uh, very difficult to, to figure out exactly how to move forward, how to bring your clients along uh, that pathway, but uh, it, it gets to a point where you absolutely have to do it. And I, I get fascinated talking about commoditization um, because... Commodities in themselves aren't necessarily bad things. There are tons of commodity businesses out there. Um, the trick is if you didn't think you were a commodity business before and suddenly you're, you're becoming one. Um, and within IT, I think that's uh, primarily happening around hardware. Uh, and maybe I, I can almost broaden that to say products and, and include like... Uh, uh, packaged software with that rather than, than cloud software, but this, this notion of products becoming commoditized and the experience or the ongoing service being the thing of value, I think is is the major shift that we're going through right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you that the, the commodi commodities are not necessarily bad, and there's millions of um, other industries outside IT that you can point to that are chugging along just fine and have been for many, many years, decades even, as commodity businesses. Uh, but from my point of view, where we're at with managed services, this should not be a market that's commoditizing just yet. Um, and because there's so much room for these service providers to grow and to begin offering some of the exciting things that are out there from a service perspective, um, from, whether it's you know Internet of Things, which will eventually become something that the MSPs will have an opportunity to, to remotely manage, 
and uh, and whether it's cloud, et cetera, et cetera. There's just too much um, greenfield left for them, uh, and too much for them to um, explore from a vertical perspective. Even that we should be seeing this commoditization happening right now. All right. Well, that full report is available on CompTIA.org right now. Uh, so check it out and see what's going on in, in the managed service space. So for our last segment today, we wanted to talk a little bit about something that's been in the news for the past week. Uh, a lot of people have been giving their take on it, and we wanted to go over the Brexit decision a little bit and talk about what it means and what it means for technology and to do so, we are very happy to have our very first guest on the Volley podcast. Richard Tubb in the UK is a consultant in IT, works with a lot of managed solution providers, VARs, vendors, dealing with channel issues there in uh, the UK. So Richard, we're very glad to have you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Our pleasure. So. Rick, what can you tell us about Brexit? I guess let's start with just the, the overall sentiment, maybe right after the vote. It obviously was a very close vote. It appeared to be uh, fairly controversial. What exactly was the sentiment there on the ground? Yeah, so uh, there's only one word really to put behind the whole campaign, uh, the Brexit campaign, and that was nasty. Um, it was a very decisive, uh, sorry, a very uh, divisive campaign. There was, to put too fine a point on it, there was a lot of uh, mistruths, there was a lot of um, slander, there was a lot of outright lying um, from people in power, and so that's left a very, very sour taste in uh, people's mouths here in the, the UK. Um, it's also uh, let, left to a lot of political turmoil. So at the time we're speaking now, um, the uh, UK Prime Minister has uh, attended his resignation. So David Cameron will be stepping down in November, perhaps sooner, who knows. Uh, the leader of the opposition, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, is currently under attack, uh, a coup within his own party. So there's absolutely no leadership um, uh, within the, uh, the country at the moment. Um, but most of all, observing what's been happening on social media, um, and, and I've remain fairly impartial here, but it's impossible for anybody to avoid uh, the furore that's been on social media. It has been downright nasty. There's, it's been very divisive. There's been people, um, you know, really, really getting aggressive about their, uh, uh, their positions and the positions other people are taking. So it's been a very, very divisive um, uh, state of affairs. Um, here in the UK, unfortunately, there's been um, a reported upswing in hate crimes, uh, as a as hate speech as a result of the uh, the very divisive campaign, a lot of that has been to do with immigration um, and just uh, you know a, a general poor uh, feeling, I guess, from a lot of people who uh, who were voting uh, leave as opposed to voting remain. It was very close call, so it was uh, 52% uh, for leave, 48% for remain. So you can see there the country was literally uh, divided down the middle. What's your sense, Rick, um, moving forward, um, you speak of this divisiveness. Do you believe that this will become tempered over time, or do you sense that this is really an upheaval in the country right now that you're going to be dealing with for the foreseeable future? 
Uh, so I think the, the fallout from it is going to be uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I mean, there's only one thing that we can be certain about at the moment, and the future is very uncertain. <laughs> and it sounds trite to say, but we absolutely don't know where it's going. And lack of leadership in the UK uh, political parties um, sort of adds to that uncertainty as well. I think as far as um, uh, the divisive nature of things, uh, I-, I think it will settle back down. Um, uh, Britain is uh, traditionally very tolerant. Uh, very, Britain is a very liberal society. We've got all faiths and cultures here, um, and we're quite proud of that. You know, we're very proud of, uh, of how, it, how it all comes together here. Uh, so I think in the long term, uh, things will go, not necessarily go back to the way they were, but things will settle down. But as for the political implications, I think it's going to have far-reaching uh, implications, and it, it really does feel as though um, the UK political parties are really badly needing to rethink um, the way they go about, um, you know, working uh, with uh, everyday people in the country. Sure. Um, thinking more now specifically about technology and the IT industry, clearly uh, leaving the European Union um, will have some impact on how the UK does business and on the global economy itself. Um, what are you thinking about in terms of specific impacts that uh, we're going to see within our, our little world, our IT industry, and even boiling down into what channel companies might want to think about? Yeah, I think as far as channel companies go, um, you've got to carry on uh, as you are at the moment. I was saying to Seth just before we came on air that I'm a great believer and you should only worry about things that are in your control uh, and not worry about things that are out of your control. And what we're talking about here is obviously out of uh, the control of uh, channel providers. So uh, my advice for channel providers would be don't panic, carry on as you are. With that said, um, there's a number of uh, wider issues that uh, UK IT companies and all IT companies globally uh, should be aware of. Um, the first one is that I think Brexit will almost certainly lead um, to a reduction in UK IT spending. Um, in fact, Canalis came out with a report earlier this week. Uh, they predicted a decline of up to 10% within IT budgets in 2016 and as much as a 15% drop in 2017. So, you know, what happens on the on the wide level usually filters down to affect channel companies. So it's worth being aware um, that uh, the IT budget is probably uh, going to be reduced. Uh, and, and another area for smaller uh, IT companies to be aware of is uh, the fall of Sterling against the US dollar and that will probably uh, result in higher technology prices. Now I, I say that's important to smaller IT businesses and I say that because in my experience smaller IT businesses are, are notoriously poor uh, at least this side of the pond at making regular price increases to keep track with inflation. So it is possible um, with higher technology prices as a result of the, uh, the fall of sterling um, that IT companies um, will see their profits reduced. So they need to be fairly quick to pass on um, those increasing prices to their clients or risk seriously impacting their profits. Mm. Yeah, you, you mentioned, you know, to, to keep calm and keep doing what you're doing. That's been one of the things that's kind of been going through my head as I've, as I've watched some of this. You know, obviously here in the U.S., I don't have the, the keenest awareness of what it means to be part of a, a, a union like the European Union like that and, and what it exactly would mean to be out of that. Um, obviously, you know, there are some social implications and, and some things like that. Uh, but like you said, you know, for a lot of these, you know, smaller providers, if, if they're not doing business in some of these other countries, the, the effect might not be there. Um, it, it'll be really interesting to, to see. And, and one thing that'll be interesting, I think, is the, the nature of cloud computing over there, because I know 
Europe in general has been um, a little cautious about what exactly is happening with cloud computing, maybe not wanting their data to come over into a U.S. provider, uh, into a data center that would be you know, on a U.S. geography. So will that be another thing that gets affected here? It, it is. And actually, that was the first question that was asked by a number of my MSP clients that I work with on a coaching basis. And the question was, how will Office 365, Microsoft Office 365, um, um, you know, the most prominent of all the cloud applications out there, how will that be affected with the majority of the Office 365 data being held outside of the UK? Um, so I guess my question would be, would there be, will there now be more of a focus on building UK data centers? Um, and they're much more expensive to build them um, building data centers in, say, Ireland or um, across the uh, water in Holland, in the Netherlands there. Um, so does that mean a reduction in the number of UK da- new data centers that are going to be built? Um, again, these are questions we just don't know the answer to at the moment, but they're certainly questions that will be on MSP's minds. I was thinking along those same lines, a lot of um, US-based um, vendors in the industry have their European headquarters in the UK. Mm. Uh, and I'm wondering if that changes. Uh, if you see some of those, I mean, there's a predominance of, of, head, of HQs uh, of big US vendors that are, that are in the UK today. Well, we see those hopping over to the other side of Europe. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, perhaps we'll talk about financial services in a, in a moment because that's definitely one that's going to be affected. But for instance, uh, HSBC um, have um, uh, pretty much come out there and said they plan to move a thousand jobs from the UK to Paris. Now, HSBC have ruled out moving their headquarters away from London as a result of Brexit. But if they're moving a thousand jobs from the UK to Paris, you can you know, pretty much guarantee that other banks are going to follow suit. And I'm, I'm looking at, you know, vendors within our channel. So uh, two that spring to mind, um, Autotask have made, you know, a heavy investment um, in not just uh, the UK, um, but uh, throughout Europe as well. What does that mean for them now as a US-based company uh, doing business uh, Europe-wide, but with most of their staff in the UK? Um, Logic Now would be another one, a US company that's um, got heavy links uh, throughout Europe and especially in the UK. And interest. Interestingly, the Logic Now offices are actually based in Scotland. Um, It's worth saying something about Scotland. Now, uh, the Scottish Brexit vote was uh, unanimously in favour of staying in Europe. And of course, the United Kingdom as a whole voted to exit Europe. So where does that leave Scotland as part of the United Kingdom? Now, many of the listeners will will recall there was a a referendum for Scotland's exiting of the UK last year, and Scotland voted to stay in the UK. Now that the UK is voting to leave Europe, and Scotland as a country wants to stay in, what does that mean for Scotland uh, and their future within the United Kingdom? So again, lots of uncertainty there, and there's just no answers uh, for these questions at the moment. What are you hearing, Ashley? That's very interesting. What are you hearing in the news there from the Scottish leadership? I mean, is there any sense right now of the move that they may make, or is it all speculation? It's all speculation at the moment, but um, I was talking about the lack of um, leadership um, from the political parties. The one area that has perhaps had the strongest leadership has been with the SNP, the Scottish National Party in Scotland. And they've basically come out and said, well, as a country, we voted to stay within Europe, but the United Kingdom has now voted to exit Europe. So the whole question about the... um, um, 
Scotland leaving the United Kingdom and exiting from the United Kingdom to remain a part of Europe now comes to the fore again. So that was a question we actually put to bed last year. You know, Scotland was remaining a, a part of the UK and it's now been opened wide open again as a result of the Brexit vote. Hmm. Well, uh, whatever, whatever happens there, I'm sure that uh, the folks in Scotland would enjoy having Donald Trump's help because clearly <laughs> he uh, has a very keen awareness of what's going on there and uh, is, is on top of things. So, Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you mentioned the, uh, the financial services. Um, yeah. y- you know, again, I'm, I'm guessing that a, a lot of vendors might be viewing this as uh, they, they have been dealing with the European Union. They, they, they're thinking about their operations in the European Union, and now th- there's different parts of that. It, it's maybe you know, fracturing or beginning to fracture. Um, how is that financial sense uh, beginning to change for people that have, are going through this mindset? So I've got a number of friends who work at HSBC, for instance, and they're incredibly nervous because um, a lot of their earnings are linked to, um, uh, you know, the performance in in Europe, especially. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty there. I, I mentioned HSBC, and perhaps I'm unfairly picking on HSBC, but they've been in the headlines a lot. You know, so they have said they're going to move a thousand jobs away from the UK to Paris um, to to readjust their workforce to to accommodate Brexit. They have ruled out moving their headquarters away from London as a result of Brexit. But really, um, interestingly, if you're an IT solution provider or a managed service provider, um, this side of the pond, unlike the US, there isn't a great deal of uh, managed service providers who focus on verticals, especially the financial vertical. That isn't to say that they're not out there. Um, If you are an IT solution provider or managed service provider who focuses on the financial vertical, (laughs) these are really, really uncertain times for you. Um, You know, I, I would be reassessing that vertical as a whole there if it's the right place for you but so some of your listeners might not be aware you know the culture in the US is to focus on verticals within the MSP industry not quite so much here in the UK the niche tends to be either geographic or um, uh, software based as opposed to industry so perhaps we're not going to see many MSPs who are, who are affected by the, uh, the financial vertical there. That's interesting uh, I just concluded we spoke earlier Seth and I about my managed services study and um, you know, one of the findings there is that certainly here in the U.S., vertical industry focus is a keen way to uh, differentiate. And I, uh, it's interesting to know that uh, that's not quite the trend in the U.K. right now. And I guess with respect to financial services, it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> well, we say that. And of course, I've opened myself up here to hundreds of MSPs in uh, the city of London. They're getting in touch and saying, Ricky, you don't know what you're talking about. We focus on the financial vertical. What I'm saying is that the UK as a whole, it's quite unusual for MSPs to focus on, on a vertical, let alone the financial vertical. With that said, um, there's going to be plenty of MSPs that I know that, that do a, a decent portion of business um, with um, uh, the financial services vertical. And so that's going to be a really unsettling time for them. So, so I was also interested, interested uh, to talk a little bit about immigration and what you think in terms of you know, you, tech workers from the UK, for instance, and uh, moving to the US and, uh, and to Europe and how, that, how the Brexit decision is going to impact workforce trends. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the short answer is I'm really not sure here because I think it, take, it, it would have much more of an effect um, for bigger companies in the enterprise. At the small business space where I predominantly work, um, for a long time now, there's been a problem in the UK with um, recruiting uh, talented workers, um, uh, you know, educated uh, workers who um, uh, want to have a career in the IT or the digital industry. Uh, my gut feeling is that that's not going to get any easier now. It's certainly not going to get easier as a result of Brexit because um, there's going to be no uh, or very little new talent coming into the UK um, as a result of these changes. As I said, it would affect predominantly the enterprise space at the SMB level and not so much immediately. But as we all know, whatever tends to happen in enterprise space tends to filter down to the SMB level at some point. So again, the, the, you know, the future... Um, doesn't look bright um, at the moment, but then again, who knows what the future will bring? This might cause um, the UK education system to to say, okay, we're not going to get uh, uh, you know um, talented workers coming in from abroad to fill uh, the skills gap. We need to do something about that internally. So who knows what the future holds? Well, it's uh, it's been great to talk to you, Rick, and very interesting hearing about this. You know, I think thinking back over the past week. Uh, there, some of the, the sentiment seems to have been, oh, goodness, what a mistake. It, it seems like as I'm reading the media, that seems to be the impression that they're trying to give. Uh, and talking to you, I, I just keep hearing, you can't really say that. You can't say it was, you can't say it wasn't. There's just so many unknowns right now, uh, and it's definitely a big shakeup, um, but really hard to tell how things are going to land. Um, any final thoughts on, on this as we go forward and try to figure out what this is going to mean? I mean, I think I would go back to what I said earlier on, and that's that my philosophy in life, my personal philosophy, is to worry about the things that I'm in control of. And for the things that I'm not in control of, really, you know, you're going to have to take them on the nose anyway. Um, I would say to any IT solution provider or managed service provider, um, you know, don't freak out about this. Don't panic about it. Things are just going to carry on. And just like the recession that we've been through before, just like the upswing and the downswings that we've had, life goes on and you're going to be to carry on with your business. Um, I've already um, heard a couple of MSPs really negatively say, well, we're going to reduce our marketing spend, uh, for instance, until this uncertainty is over. For me, personally, uh, you know, I, I totally disagree with that. I think it's got to be business as usual. You've got to carry on as though things are going to be good and then adjust things based on the fact, not on the gut feeling that you have about things. Good insights. Thank you so much, Rick. Yeah, Bye. thanks very much. Uh, appreciate you calling in. And uh, I think that's, that's it for us this week. So thanks, Rick. And uh, thanks, Carolyn. And we'll talk to everyone next time. All righty. Bye-bye.